Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. With the first pick in the ultimate NBA mock draft. First of all, wingspan. There's weaknesses to his game. An explosive athlete. That's like his floor. A high ceiling. He's going to be the next LeBron James. This pick really should be that simple. It's Kate Cunningham. Evan Mobley. Jalen Green. Jonathan Kaminga. Jalen Suggs. And now, let's send it over to our Odyssey expert and the White Mamba himself, Brian Scalabrine. Is the man who built the world of NBA draft coverage. And that is Chad Ford. Jimmy Patos from Odyssey. And former NBA GM, Ryan McDonough. It is the fifth and final day of our ultimate 2021 NBA Mock Draft. Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully you've grabbed the first four days. We super appreciate it. I'm David Locke, joined by Richard Stamen of Locked on NBA Draft, of Rafael Barlow of Locked on NBA Draft. We're also of NBA Draft Junkies. We're on the main desk. You'll hear from Chad Ford of ESPN in a second. The Draft Dummies of Locked on NBA Draft will stop by. Brian Scalabrini, Ryan McDonough, Jimmy Paitos of the Odyssey College and Pro Basketball Experts. Local experts will stop by as well from Odyssey. Odyssey and locked on in our final day. The Clippers are on the board at 25. The Knicks, excuse me, the Nuggets at 26. Brooklyn at 27. Philadelphia is sitting on the board at 28. Phoenix at 29. And the Jazz are sitting on the clock at 30. Some talk of some of these teams with cap issues trying to trade out and see what they might be able to do. Uh, Joined, as I said, by Richard Stamen and Raphael Barlow. Uh, Guys, at this point of the draft, who, give me your top three or four guys that you expect to hear before the first round is over. Richard, you, f- you can talk about Jaden Springer again. Yeah, it's amazing. I still have two top 10 players available in Jaden Springer and Usman Garuba. Jaden Springer, I see as a really high upside, high floor guard. He is really strong, can defend, can get to the basket, needs to work on shot creation from jump shooting but can get just about everything else right. And then Usman Garuba is an outstanding defender. So those are my two top 10 players left. Dig into Usman Garuba. We haven't talked about him in any of our four previous mock drafts. He's still on the board. You have him as a top 10 player on your board. Tell us who he is, where he's from, what the breakdown on him is. Yeah, he plays at Real Madrid. Uh, I know Rafael can also talk a lot about him. He's, in my opinion, the best defender in the class. Almost perfect uh, in the pick and roll, I would say, which is very rare for someone at his age. I, I think he's 19. You don't hear about that very often for being so advanced at one of the hardest parts of the game, especially for a big man. He comes in day one and just helps team defense. Rafael, did I leave anything off on, on Garuba that you want to add? Yeah, I think that he's one of the best short roll passers in this draft. And plan for Real, and I, I've mentioned um, quite a few times on my Locked On podcast, there's no development in the EuroLeague. If you're on that roster, it's because you can come in and contribute right away. He contributed to Madrid. He's actually on Spain's national team right now as a teenager. So that's that says a lot about his ability to, to play and, and his defense. I have him as a, at least at the very minimum, right outside the lottery. I'm shocked that he's fallen this far which means the team is going to get a really good player and a really good player that can come in and contribute right away on the defensive end. Why would he have fallen to this point other than – why would he fall to this point? I'm not sure. And maybe it's because if you watch this film at Real Madrid, they had him standing in the corner a lot. He didn't play a lot of the same role that he would play in the NBA as a role man. And he was mostly used for his defense. So if you look at the numbers and you saw, okay, he didn't shoot a good percentage from three – it's because it's kind of similar to like Denny Avdia, how Denny wasn't used the best way for his abilities. And so I feel like that was with Garuba in the NBA. I think he's going to be like a, you know, at least early in his career, a garbage man. But my high upside comparison is Paul Millsaps. Who was a second round pick out of Louisiana Tech and emerged into a totally different player over the course of his career. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's my comparison for him. Best case scenario. All right, we'll see what happens with that. Let's get the boards of Chad Ford as well as the draft dummies of the Locked On NBA draft. Well, Chad, exactly as you expected, Jared Butler did go 22. It'll be interesting to see on his health. Houston had those two picks. They went Trey Murphy the third and JT Thor. 
Is that where Houston should go there? Wings, wings, wings. Uh, Trey Murphy really shoot the basketball. JT Thor, just an interesting athlete. Um, you know, at his size with a long wingspan, very raw JT Thor. I think most people didn't expect him to come out of this draft, but he was one of the guys that sort of helped himself in the combine just just by some of the stuff that he was able to do in his in his workout. Uh, he didn't actually play in the five-on-five, five, but, it, you know, did the pro days sort of afterwards. But that's what Houston should be doing right now. They should be looking at the prospects and saying, who has the highest ceiling of the guys that are left? We have time to develop them. They do. And so JT Thor, to me, makes makes a lot of sense there. All right, flip back on the Chad Ford NBA Big Board as we move to the final day of our ultimate mock draft. What? Who are the ball handler playmakers available? Well, you got Ayo Desunmu, uh is is a guy that as you look at the Clippers sort of coming up and, and a guy that, one, they could use, a young point guard. They, they've got a pretty aging point guard crew uh, there. And, you know, two, a guy that is ready to step in and play right now. Whether he's a one or two is part of the reason that he slides a bit in the draft. And some questions about his jump shot. He shot it better this year. But, you know, if you look at the sort of historical shooting for him, there's some question marks um, with him. Jaden Springer, to me, is a guy who is an obvious pick here. He's got a little bit of an unorthodox game, but again, one of the youngest players in this draft and really gets after it defensively. Really shocked to see Usman Garuba not uh, drafted yet because he's playing real minutes in the Spanish ACB right now with Real Madrid, which is a which is better than G League, better than college basketball right now, and just has all the tools to be a lockdown defender, maybe three positions right now. Really interesting there. And Isaiah Jackson, uh, the best shot blocker and rim protector in this draft, uh, also not drafted. All right, we'll see. By the way, we keep hearing from um, our guy Richard Stamen about Springer. Do you buy? He had him as a top 10 pick on his board. Do you buy him that much? No, I don't. I, I've, I've read the arguments. Uh, I see it. I think that he is one of those guys that when you try to go to an NBA comp, David, there isn't a good one. He has a really unique game. And so what he becomes at the next level, I think is, is, is questionable. I I'm, I'm fine with him being drafted in the, you know, late teens, early twenties. I think that's where the reward outweighs the risk. This seems low, but I think at 10, uh, you know, you're talking about a guy who is not a clear position in the NBA, uh, not elite size, uh, not elite athleticism. I'm not sure that you take him at 10. And, and I, you know, I, I've totally forgotten. We haven't even talked about Josh Christopher as well out of Arizona State. Another guy that preseason was ranked as a lottery pick and one of the best scorers in this draft, an excellent athlete and a guy who actually kicked butt when he was out there in the five on five at the NBA draft combine. All right. Thank you, Chad. This is Sam Ferris here. I am. I am joined by co-host Cody. We are the Draft Dummies, and uh, of course, we are your NBA draft experts. You can find our podcast on the N- Locked On NBA Draft channel. Uh, so we saw a couple more picks go off the board here. Uh, I want to get a couple more sleepers from you, Cody. So who are a couple guys you might have on your board listed as some of the best sleepers still available here towards the end of the first round? So for me, some guys that I, or one guy that I actually have graded out in more in the middle of the first round that is still available is Isaiah Jackson. This is a guy that's going to star in his role, the center out of Kentucky. He's going to protect the rim. Great block rate this year. High energy. He is a vertical floor spacer uh, and one of the quickest leapers we've seen in, in recent years. And you want centers that are going to do what DeAndre Ayton's been doing for the Suns these playoffs. That's rebound, run the floor, protect the rim, set screens, and that don't need post touches. So I love Isaiah Jackson. Two other guys I love, some shot makers, Bones Highland and Quentin Grimes. You know, shot making will always be a premium in the NBA. These are two guys that can get it done offensively, have great looking shots off the dribble, um, can space the floor, can put the ball on the deck, create their own. So those are some sleepers that I have that are still available. We'll see what happens in these next few picks. All right, Cody, thanks. Let's throw it back to the main desk. The LA Clippers are on the pick at 25. What's your guys' quick take on Kawhi and what this means to the Clippers and who they are as a franchise right now with Kawhi coming off the two words that I don't think really go together, mild ACL tear. Mild and ACL tear are not words that I think really meld. Where do you view the Clippers right now, Raphael? He could possibly miss the entire season. 
And Kawhi is someone that I feel like is going to play it as safe as possible. So you kind of have to assume that he's not going to play. And if he's not playing, then they're going to end up being, in my opinion, a team that is fighting for the eighth spot. Maybe even a team that ends up being in the play-in, depending on what happens in Portland. They're in a, a, a tough situation. And then he could possibly opt out, which I don't know why he would. But I've heard some say that he still may opt out to get more security on, on you know, for his contract. So they're in a tough situation right now because they put all their eggs in one basket to win a championship in a short window. Yeah, the Clippers have a very odd situation, which is why I would swing for the fences here at 25. Like I said, I have two top 10 players available, so why not go for one of them? That's the philosophy they have to have, and their their pick next year is unprotected, so they are playing for that combination of high upside in the future and floor now, which is why Jaden Springer would make a lot of sense. Let's go to the Clippers draft room and see if they do shoot the moon and what they do with this pick with... The first pick of our final day of the NBA Ultimate Mock Draft. Charles Mockler here from the Locked On Clippers podcast. And with the 25th pick in the 2021 Ultimate Mock Draft, the LA Clippers select Ayo DeSunmu, guard out of the University of Illinois. He is a north-south scorer. He averaged 20 points. He's very versatile in the pick and roll. He also doled out six assists, which you absolutely love to see. The Clippers need some north-south scoring from their bench. Once Lou Williams departed, there was a bit of a hole there. There's going to be some development with his three-point shot. He did shoot 39%, but the year before, the attempts were up, but the percentage was down. Some time in the G League certainly couldn't hurt AO. What we like about him particularly is his defensive abilities. He can switch, covering multiple positions, which is crucial in the Clippers' switch-heavy scheme. He has a lot of great talent to learn with Patrick Beverly and perhaps Roger Ronda still being on the team. The future's bright for Ayo, and he could most certainly become a crucial role player to add to the Clippers' already fantastic depth. Ayo DeSumo from the Fighting Illini. Love the kid, love his game, love the highlights. I love everything about this guy. I love his length. I think he could shoot. He's poised, great passer, makes tough decisions look easy, doesn't force the issue. The, the big concern I have, which I have no idea because I don't know the kid at all, is, is he a maniacal worker? I'm not saying he's not. I don't know him. But if he is, he has a chance to be a future star of this league. He really understands how to play basketball, understands the league, can catch and shoot, play, make plays off the dribble. I think he's an underrated passer. I think this guy has a really good chance of being a star in this league. But he has to get to the right system. Think Oklahoma City. I can only imagine what they could do with a kid like this if they draft him. Love him. I hope it works out for him because I really enjoy watching him play. So LA Clippers had championship aspirations the past couple seasons. They fell short in the Orlando bubble when the Denver Nuggets came back from a 3-1 deficit. And then this year in the Western Conference Final without Kawhi Leonard. Uh, looks like Kawhi will be out for most of all next year as well. Uh, so they pick up a talented player in Ayo Desunmu, the scoring guard out of Illinois. Uh, I really like Desunmu. I thought he was one of the more underrated players in this year's draft. He's a combo guard. He put up really good numbers across the board. Give you 20 points, six rebounds, and five assists for the Illini, who are a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. I thought the biggest reason the Illini were the number one seed, in, a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, was because of Ayo Dusumu. Uh, so it'll help the Clippers with their playmaking. I think they need more shot creation and more playmaking. Paul George was terrific in the playoffs, but without Kawhi Leonard next year, Dusunmu gives uh, the Clippers a young guard, but one who's proven at the college level, who can create plays for himself and others. So I really like this pick for Lawrence Frank and the Clippers front office getting Dusunmu at number 25. Dusunmu really balanced scoring and playmaking well for the Illini. The Clippers like his length. He has a 6'10 wingspan. They also like his athleticism. He has a 39-inch max vertical jump. Uh, so he's good, got, got good size. He's got good length. He's got good athleticism. Keep in mind, the Clippers are older in the backcourt uh, with Rajon Rondo and Patrick Beverly. Uh, Luke Kennard was in and out of the lineup last year. He's in more of a spot-up shooting role. Uh, so I really like this pick for Lawrence Frank and the Clippers front office. They get a talented guard who balanced everything, I thought, relatively well with the scoring and playmaking. Um, you know, DeSumo will have to make spot-up shots. He's not going to be the primary offensive option for the Clippers. Obviously, anytime you have Paul George, he'll be a secondary playmaker. Uh, but I think he'll thrive in that role. I really liked how he balanced uh, scoring for and, and creating shots for himself with creating shots for others at the Illini, for the Illini. And I think the Clippers get a talented young player late here in the first round who could end up being one of the steals in this year's draft. 
Clippers take Io Das Unmu, who we talked about a little bit at the end of episode number four on the draft. You, you guys were pretty lukewarm on him. Uh, Richard, you gave some real specifics on your concerns here on Das Unmu of, of why you, you didn't think he was moving higher in this draft. Uh, reiterate those, please. Yeah, it's his pull-up shooting is pretty weak, and as a point guard, you really need to do that, especially when you run the volume of pick-and-rolls that he ran. And then also his ability to pass out of traps worries me, which is two huge areas point guards need to be able to thrive in in 2021. Agree or disagree, Raphael? Yeah, I agree. I agree. On paper, his numbers look great. 48% from the floor, 39% from three. Fills up the stat sheet as far as rebounds and assists. Average three, a little more than three turnovers per game. I think this is a, a pick that they could possibly develop a lot with the, I don't know how you pronounce the name, LA Caliente Clippers or whatever. Don't know if he's able to come in and, and get any minutes on the roster this year based off of how the roster looks today. But I still think it's a, a good a good choice for them. Curious to see if they take this pick or if they trade it. Frankly, if you're a tax team, taking picks this late in the first round are pretty hard to take this kind of contract when you can go get a veteran for the same amount of money that might be able to help you. And it's unlikely that anyone they draft here is going to help them in the playoffs. All right, let's go. The Nuggets are on the board with the 26th pick. Let's move into the Nuggets draft room and see where they go with number 26. With the 26th pick in the Locked On Network NBA mock draft, the Denver Nuggets select Jaden Springer out of Tennessee. 6'3", good size on him. 44% from three-point range, 2.9 assists last year, a freshman just 18 years old. He excels at field for the game and off-ball defense. He's tenacious. He's got a big body. The shooting stroke does take quite a while, but our feeling is that with time, Springer will eventually get a quicker release. He did shoot 44% on the limited number of shots that he took from three. And when he does shoot and he does get a clean look, it looks very pretty. He's also versatile and able to do a lot of different things. He brings energy and intensity. And for a Nuggets team that needs wings desperately, especially young ones that are affordable to go around Nikola Jokic and an already stacked roster, Springer is absolutely the way to go. He'll spend time in the G League, developing his shot, working on pull-ups and trying to expand his game. But our feeling is that with time, Springer's going to wind up being a valuable piece of the Nuggets as they continue their quest for their first championship. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Eric Kane with Locked On Vols, here to break down Jaden Springer, an incredible athlete. Uh, Tennessee had him for one year, and uh, it was a fun year to watch him play. Obviously, the team uh, underachieved significantly, but uh, Jaden Springer was awesome. He was the uh, he was named to the All-SEC Freshman Squad. He was a two-time SEC Player of the Week. Um, can do a little bit of everything in terms of shooting it from the mid-range, and that's something I think that will translate very nicely to the next level. He can drive and seek out contact. He's a good three-point shooter, shot over 43% on the season, and was almost guaranteed money from uh, the charity stripe, a really nice free throw percentage as well. Uh, Jaden Springer can, can jump out of the gym, as you saw from the NBA Combine, You know, registered in, in the top five and in the vertical leap and, and the standing long jump and all that type of stuff too. An incredible athlete that also is learning to play some really good defense as well, and that is part of his game that increased as the season went on. So Jaden Springer, tremendous talent. I think he will translate to the NBA, and no, no doubt about it, when he came on Tennessee's campus, thought he was going to be a one-and-done, and now being selected in the NBA draft. If the Denver Nuggets had Jaden Springer on their roster this past postseason, Suns and Four guy would have been wrong. Probably would have been Suns and Five, or maybe even still Suns and Four. But still, Jaden Springer would have been a massive help in this Denver Nuggets backcourt that was absolutely ravaged by injuries heading into the postseason. Most notably, of course, the torn ACL suffered by star guard Jamal Murray. So Jaden Springer fits in very well in this Nuggets backcourt, which needs some bodies, needs uh, an injection of youth, and needs guys that can get it done on both ends. And Springer is an excellent defender, someone that can get it done. Six foot four, a six foot six wingspan, an excellent defender in his one year in Knoxville. Scouts and coaches also like his offensive upside. He shot 43% from downtown in his one season in college, 81% from the line. Critics will say, hey, only took 46 three-pointers, so it's a small sample size, but Springer's one of the youngest players in the draft. He doesn't turn 19 years old until this fall, so if he gets good coaching, everyone thinks Michael Malone, the Nuggets coach, is a really good one, and he continues to evolve as a three-point shooter. We know he's already a good defender, that it's possible that Jaden Springer steps in as a rookie 
as a rotation piece for the Denver Nuggets. And as we saw in the postseason, the Nuggets need guards that can score. The Nuggets need guards that can defend. And Jaden Springer, as a rookie, could be able to do both. As the Denver Nuggets get a healthy Jamal Murray worked back into their lineup, Jaden Springer, his presence on the court next to Murray is going to allow Jamal Murray to focus on what he does best, which is score the basketball. This is why Springer and his versatility can really help the Denver Nuggets. When he's on the floor with Jamal Murray, he can focus on defense, allowing Murray to do his thing on the offensive end. And if Murray drives into the lane and finds himself double teamed, he can kick it out to a guy who, again, shot 43% from downtown in his lone season in Knoxville. And think about Nick. Nikola Jokic, the, the reigning NBA MVP, and the impact Springer could make for Jokic, where Jokic gets the ball down low, and now he's got another option, another guy to throw the ball to. For Jamal Murray, Springer could potentially be his next Gary Harris, who the team moved at the trade deadline to acquire Aaron Gordon. The hope, of course, was to play Gordon and Murray together. Well, now you could play Murray and Gordon together and have potentially the next Gary Harris in Jaden Springer alongside him. A guy who can make pointers, a good free throw shooter, someone who could develop into a good offensive player, and someone who has a ton of energy on the defensive end. So we love the potential fit here of Springer alongside Jamal Murray in the Denver Nuggets backcourt. Raphael, should we box him out and not let him talk about his guy, Jared Springer, now that he's finally, it goes number 26 to the Nuggets. Should we box him out and not let him and not let him talk about his guy? <laughs> I mean, I think he's giving us the whole Jaden Springer scouting report throughout this week. But man, I mean, he's been sitting, if, if it were up to Richard, he would have been in the green room. He's been sitting there for four days now. So I'm, I'm glad he got picked up. All right, let's move on. No, all right, Richard, give us the, sell us. You're going to make your name on Jared Springer being another Monty Morris uh, great pick. Tim Conley's got great track record. He's built both the Jazz and the Nuggets with draft picks. Um, joke. Um, as Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert were both Nuggets picks the Jazz acquired. Uh, but yeah, he's, he did. It's not a joke. It's the truth. <laughs> I mean, he's done an incredible job with player acquisition. Michael Porter was an unbelievable pick. Bull Bull for a second round pick, frankly, was very good. I don't know if he'll ever pan out, but he he was a very good pick. Uh, Monty Morris second round picks, one of the better draft picks we've seen in this league. So the pretty incredible track record of picking there from Conley. He gets Jared Springer. Why are you so high on him, Richard? Yeah, first of all, name of the game for Denver the last three drafts now is value, value, value. Actually, really, yeah, three drafts. Um, I would say, you know, he is a not a floor general. He's a combo guard. He's really strong. He's young. He's one of the younger players in the class. He's still 18 years old. He can get to the basket. He really can't create his own jump shot, which is the flag, but he's a really good defender, outstandingly quick feet, and great instincts. So really, once he gets that shot creation, if he gets that shot creation, down in a consistent jumper to go with it he has a very high upside it's just the realisticness of reaching it interesting note on springer so i look at some numbers it's not foolproof i've done it for three years it's actually been fairly accurate so i look at athleticism as being what you are in transition and your ability to play isolation so he's in the 84th percentile of all players in transition which says to me that there's some athleticism on that 64205 uh frame however in limited isolation he's in the 12th percentage of isolation so not functional there his pick and roll ball handling 25 attempts last year 16th percentile of pick and roll which what you might have been alluding to but then some high things right 70th percentile and spot up for springer on 102 attempts wasn't great on his open catch and shoot but then you see the off the bounce only 20 of 71 shooting on off the bounce shot so it's a little bit of what you characterized there richard in the in that contrast of kind of skills but it, and it's going to be a question of obviously which way the teeter-totter goes yeah, and I think that he kind of bullies his way to the basket, which is why, you know, some of those numbers, especially in isolation, where he tries to use his physicality, it almost hurts him too much. And that's really where having just step backs and things like that would help a lot. Jared Springer's agent, very excited. Matt, we just talked about him on this program uh, and all of that's taking place. We'll come back. Brooklyn's on the board with 27, and then the 76ers, 28, Suns, 29, Jazz on the clock at 30. Rumors of the Jazz making a move uh, to get out from the tax realm of the 30th pick. All coming up as we continue here on the Ultimate Mock Draft and Odyssey and Locked On Production. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And 
watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. It is the ultimate 2021 NBA mock draft. Thanks for subscribing. If you have only tuned in today, there are four other days worth. We take you through the whole thing, and we will be live on draft day coverage, hosted by John Corrales with the NBA draft goat, Chad Ford, also Rafael Barlow on set. Live coverage of the NBA draft with the local experts of the Locked On Podcast Network covering the draft with the local expertise that is unequaled from anywhere else. We'll be live on the Locked On NBA YouTube channel, also available on Roku as well as on your Amazon Fire. All coming out of the WFAA studios in Dallas should be awesome. Brought to you by Built Bar. That'll be 7 o'clock Eastern on July 29th and we bring back Chad Ford from the, over on the big board desk. And, and Chad, you, you kind of guessed what was going to happen here with the Clippers and the Nuggets in the first part of this last day of the draft. Not, not a big surprise to you. Do either of those, can either of those guys contribute on a team that's that good? Uh, you know, that's that's the question. And I think for IO, the answer is yes. For the Clippers, I think they'll actually gonna need some support there. Jaden Springer, I think, is uh, the Nuggets are doing what the Nuggets always do. They take the best player available. They could care less whether he plays in year one or year two. They did this with Michael Porter Jr. They've done this, you know, throughout the draft. And then this guy comes back and plays dividends for you big time um, in a year or two. And, and the fact that they, you know, they traded away Gary Harris at the trade deadline may actually mean minutes for Springer earlier than we expect, though my guess is that they'll address some of that in free agency. We've talked a good deal about Garuba and the fact he's ready to play and he's playing real men. <laughs> Brooklyn's on the clock at 27. This seems like it's perfect for them. It is. Uh, Garuba will be, I, I think everybody will be high-fiving in the room. It's interesting. Isaiah Jackson's on the board here as well as uh, uh, Dayron Sharp. Dayron Sharp is actually a, a guy that Brooklyn has really had their uh, sights on. Um, I think they actually have felt like he won't be on the board here. And I'd be surprised if, if Garuba or Dayron Shop or Isaiah Jackson are actually on the board when we get to draft night, they're all three of them here. So this is a home run for Brooklyn because all three of these guys kind of fit their biggest need of, of bringing somebody in who's going to be able to play uh, some center for them. You know, if you remember from the playoffs uh, last year that, you know, what, you know, when they, uh, after trading away Jared Allen, you know, they were using Blake Griffin, they were using Jeff Green, they were even using Bruce Brown. Um, as a center, and so I definitely think that, that this can be a big upgrade for them. There is rumors that Brooklyn's trying to move back into the bottom half of the draft to see if they can go get some extra picks, so maybe they're trying to get more than one thing done here. Let's go check in and see what they do with this next pick of the NBA Ultimate Mock Draft. Adam Arbrick with the Locked On Nets podcast, and with the 27th pick in the Ultimate Mock Draft, the Brooklyn Nets select Usman Garuba, power forward out of Real Madrid, Spain. This is a six foot eight prospect with a seven foot three wingspan who comes in with an NBA ready 230 pound built body. The reason why? He's played at the professional level internationally. This allows the Brooklyn Nets to look at a young player who they believe can come in and contribute immediately in the rotation on a roster that could potentially be losing the likes of Blake Griffin or Jeff Green over the course of the offseason. While his offensive game will need time to develop, because you look at this talented roster and the offensive firepower that the superstars bring, it's about bringing in pieces that can supplement that talent and help lock down the opposition in the deep playoff run. The Nets even tried to trade up into the middle of the first round to make sure they secured what was regarded by many NBA scouts as the best defensive prospect in this draft. They were ecstatic to see him fall to 27 and eager to get him out there on the floor this season in Brooklyn. Jimmy Paxo's back with the 27th pick. The Brooklyn Nets. Look, they got Durant. They got Kyrie. Spencer Dinwiddie's coming back. One of my favorite players in the NBA, playing point guard for him. We all know what James Harden can do. Well, they're going to need a center to do some dirty work and to play defense, pass the ball. Well, Usman Garuba, who grew up in Spain, he's got a Nigerian parent and his, I believe his mother's from Spain. He is a really interesting player who played for Real Madrid. He has been with them since they're like 12 years old. Okay, Usman is 6'8", 6'7", but he's got a long wingspan. He is a 5'4", okay? He is an inside player, so he might be a little small, 
Well, that didn't stop Draymond Green from helping the Warriors win championships. And with their lack of depth at the center or DeAndre Jordan getting older, et cetera, et cetera, I don't know what Blake Griffin's really going to do. You have a guy that can fit in. When Spencer Dinwiddie comes back, they got Joe Harris. They have some really good players, but they need some inside depth. And Usman's ready to play. Because when you play for Real Madrid and you're in the pro league in Spain, and he's not a starter or a star over there, but he knows how to play with pros, okay? I think he's really a guy that rebounds well. He'll play the post. He'll do the dirty work. He's a good passer. He knows the flow of the game. And he's not looking to get, like, shots right away, et cetera, which is what you need when you're the Brooklyn Nets. At the 27th pick, the experience, I think it's a great pick for them. I think it's an outs- Maybe He could be the steal of the draft. It's interesting. I've had Jalen Johnson who could be the steal of the draft, okay, for the Hawks. And I think when you have a winning team like the Nets and the Hawks, et cetera, you have a chance to take some gambles on guys. So as I close out my draft analysis, I think the Nets make a brilliant pick for a 6'8 center who's ready to go because they want to win in the next two or three years. They got a chance to cut down the Nets and get to the finals and get a championship. Usman Garuba is an excellent pick. The state of the Nets roster is heavily based on what the heck they're going to do in free agency. Number one, Spencer Dinwiddie. Are they going to pay him? Are they going to re-sign him? Are they going to pay a ridiculous amount of luxury tax to keep Spencer Dinwiddie around? If it was up to me, the answer would be yes, because it ain't my freaking money. Though I do spend a lot of money on season tickets. So I'd keep Spencer Dinwiddie, a guy that we've grown and developed. The other question is going to be Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown, despite taking a shot he shouldn't have taken in Game 3 of the Eastern Conference semis, that still haunts me. He was a key part of the rotation in the postseason. He was a gritty-minded defensive stalwart, and he's a free agent. Is he going to be on the roster? And the other question is going to be Blake Griffin. Uh, Obviously, the draft occurs before these free agent decisions, but you'd hope Sean Marks has a pretty good idea if these three guys are going to be back. But that's going to determine, in my opinion, their biggest needs going into the offseason. As far as who I'd like to see them draft, keep this in mind. Nicholas Claxton this year was a second-year player, and Nicholas Claxton was awesome during the regular season, even played well during the postseason. But we saw this in Game 7 against Milwaukee, and we saw this throughout the postseason. They didn't trust him. And that's the thing to keep in mind. I don't believe the Brooklyn Nets are eyeing guys they're going to play big minutes in the postseason. So the kind of guy I would eye are projects, young guys who can learn, who maybe two, three years down the road, if these stars aren't in this roster, can then become something. But I don't think you look at this draft and say, I can insert this guy. He's going to play big minutes in the postseason because they're not going to trust any rookie to play big minutes in the postseason. So I think this draft is going to be an opportunity to either recoup some of the picks for future years, so trading back into next year and the year after's draft, and maybe finding diamonds in the rough that you can develop over the next couple of years. Earlier in the show, you guys described Usman Garuba and and Raphael. Basically, while you were describing, I thought to myself, wow, that sounds like he should go to Brooklyn. I mean, ready to play, ready to be a complimentary player, having played in Real Madrid already and being comfortable as a complimentary piece on a good team. Sometimes that's the hardest thing. We talked about some of these guys early in the draft, major gunners and fact. Other than Steph Curry, one of the easiest ways to find someone who's not going to make it the NBA is find really, really high-usage college players. Morris Allman comes to mind out of Rice many years back. Like, But if you go find really, really high-usage college players, they often don't make it in the NBA because they can't adapt to playing with players. This does not seem to be the case for Garuba. Yeah, I mean, he's used to playing a role. He's used to playing with guys that need the ball in their hands. I've actually seen him as a, a role player, like a, a, you know, kind of a glue guy with Real Madrid. But I've also seen him lead a team, which was the Spanish under 18 team, which he led them to the gold medal two summers ago. So I, I like this pick and I know it's cliche to keep saying I like picks, especially when, when you've proven that numbers always don't work out here. But I think Brooklyn is getting a lottery level talent at the back end of the draft, a guy that doesn't need the ball, a guy that will come in and provide energy and defend, which is something that they need. So I really think that the the Nets got a very good value pick and a steal at this late in the draft. And frankly, Richard, as as Ryan McDonough has talked about, sometimes it's easier to pick later in this draft than than earlier. 
Yeah, when you get someone who I have as my number 10 player on my board, it's really easy to pick the number 10 player at 27. So, like you said, it makes your job easier when someone falls. The board is filling up. We've only got three picks left in this draft. Let's see what uh, the draft dummies think about where we sit with three picks remaining. Thanks, guys. This is co-host Cody joined by Sam Ferris of the Draft Dummies, the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. So we just saw Garuba, Springer, and Dasunmu come off the board, Sam. What are your reactions to those picks? Yeah, I'll start with the positive here. Garuba and Springer are two guys that I have kind of mid-first-round grades on. Two guys that I have about seven, eight, maybe nine spots higher on my personal board than where they actually went. So to me, two very good values. Springer is kind of a combo guard with strength, can shoot it, and played very, very well as a freshman for Tennessee. I think he is a great fit in Denver. Um, And then Garuba, talk about perfect fits for the Nets. He is a guy that has been playing at a high level overseas in Spain. He can come in and give them minutes as a versatile big that can also pass it offensively. To me, he fits in with that star-laden team in Brooklyn. Uh, So love those picks. To me, Desunmu, uh, I'd give that kind of more of a C-minus. Below average pick to me, I think he's a guy that you could get you know, better value taking a similar player in the second round. So I definitely prefer the Springer and the Garuba picks there. All right. Well, we're going to send it straight over to the Locked On Sixers and Keith Pompey. And let's see who the Sixers select. Keith Pompey here from Locked On 76ers podcast. With the 28th pick in the ultimate mock draft, the 76ers select Herbert Jones, the University of Alabama. The Sixers are excited about Jones. You look at him, he's a solid defender. He's a little raw on the offensive end. But right now, what they need is they need some role players who could come in and play defense. With Doc Rivers' coaching staff, they believe that they can get this guy right. But at this particular time, they need some bodies. They need some athletic wings. They need guys who can get after it. And Jones slipped to him. He slipped to him. So they're extremely excited about him. They're going to get him in there. He's going to do the summer league stuff. But they believe that he can be one of the key guys that they can depend on. That was a weakness they had. They didn't have anybody coming off the bench defending. But they think Jones, at 6'8", for nice wingspan, extremely athletic, that he's someone that they can build around. Someone that they, well not build around, but someone they can use against, you know, be a key ingredient to the bench. So this is a good pick for them. It's a solid pick. It fulfills a need for the Sixers. When I think of the Sixers roster depth and this whole situation as we head towards the NBA draft, the one thing that stands out to me is how much this team needs more help in the front court with their depth. Like, Dwight Howard is not a long-term solution, but might not even be back next season. And Mike Scott, please, the more, the less I see him, the better it is moving forward. This team needs another big man, or at least another four, that could play behind Tobias Harris. And this will be accentuated if Ben Simmons is indeed moved and a package will say to get a lead guard or, or whatever they do to move him. That's another you know, 6'10 player that won't be here to help with rebounding, to help with you know, defense on the interior. Not that that's Ben's strength, but they just need more there. And I look at the NBA draft. Sixers have drafted a lot of guards in recent years and you know wings, and it's, it's worked out. You know Tyrese Maxey last year, Matisse Thybul has developed into a really, really nice player. And assuming they keep those guys, I would now target, and I would think Daryl Morey would target a big, maybe a four that could learn to be a stretch four, shoot a little bit, but give some defense rebounding on the interior. I think that's important as the Sixers try to address their needs. Joe Giglio here, WIP, talking Sixers draft. And when I look forward to what this team might do with their pick late in the first round, into the second round, and any picks Daryl Morey accumulates here as we head into draft season, you know, really it's going to come down to this. Do we want the Sixers to, to land more shooters to put around Joel Embiid and, and whatever other star player they have? Could be Ben, could be somebody else. Or defense, more defensive-minded players. And really my answer to this comes down to how this team is constructed. If Matisse Thybul and Ben Simmons are still here, you need more shooters because you know those guys could play defense. What neither can or are willing to do is shoot the basketball. 
if both those guys are gone, I would attack the defensive side more. The Sixers have had a lot of really good success drafting some players that have turned into great defensive players, Matisse and Ben and Joel. They've had a knack for that. You can't have too much of that, as we're seeing in the NBA Finals that plays out two-way players that play defense. But, you know, if those guys are staying and you have defensive players in this team, shooting is paramount. When you have Joel Embiid, you have the big man. You have to surround that guy with as many shooters as possible. It is key. I will take all things being equal the way this team is right now. I will take more shooters. If some of these defensive players are traded away, you need to replace them with some young players that give energy and defense and maybe could develop into the next version of Matisse Thibel in a league that really, really, you cannot have a championship contender without people that can guard on the perimeter. That's how the Sixers should approach the NBA draft. Our guy Keith Pompey comes out with something a little different in a name I hadn't heard much before in this draft in Herbert Jones as the pick, a senior 6'8", 210 pound out of Alabama. Raphael, what do we know about Herbert Jones? Um, the guy that made the selection must be an Auburn alum because I haven't seen <laughs> Herbert Jones slotted to go late first round. I like him a lot. I don't know about the fit with Philly. He is a, a, a Swiss Army knife, does a little bit of everything well, but I, I just don't think that it's a good fit with Philly. If I'm the Philadelphia 76ers at, at this late in the draft, I'm looking for someone that is going to come in and knock down open shots. And so I, I, I don't think that uh, he was the the perfect choice. To, I would think I would have with Bones Highland. Richard, this pick surprise you? Yeah, there were other shooters like like Raphael said, there are shooters I would have gone with if you wanted high upside. There are guys like Josh Christopher that you could have gone with here. To give some reference for Herb Jones' shooting, while he did up it to 35% from three and he crossed the 70% line from free throw from the free throw line, um, you know, those are really promising improvements from 7% from three last year to been 62.5% from the line last year. He has a good work ethic and he does a little bit of everything, but he's probably not going to be able to shoot much in the NBA. So it's a weird fit in Philadelphia. All right, got three pick, a few picks remaining. The Utah Jazz have two offers on the table to get out of 30. Toronto's offered the 46th and 47th pick. Brooklyn's offered 44, 49, and 58. Eight to the Jazz, who have the 30th pick. We'll see if they pull the trigger on either of those deals. 29th pick of the, is on the board. That's the Suns. That's coming up next as we continue. 2021 NBA Ultimate Mock Draft. Remember, live coverage of the draft coming to you on your Odyssey app streamed as well as on your Locked On NBA YouTube channel live from the WFAA studios in Dallas. It will be NBA draft great. Chad Ford, along with Raphael Barlow and John Corrales on the main set. The local experts will be dropping in on the Built Bar line throughout the day and throughout the draft. It's the live NBA draft coverage with local experts you can't get anywhere else. Plus, with the NBA draft great Chad Ford, it's all going to be on the Locked on NBA YouTube channel on multiple Roku and Amazon Fire channels as well. It's 7 o'clock Eastern on July 29th. It's right here. We continue. Picks 29 and 30 are next on the Ultimate Mock Draft. So a little bit of a question toward the second round as well. Who are the highest remaining players on your board if you're of all the teams that are out there about to draft in the second round? One or two or three names, Richard, that really fire you up if someone walks out with them before we're done. Yeah, so I still have one lottery-level player and one top 25 player left. And the lottery-level player is someone who I think is the most mistake-free player in the draft. I know Rafael will disagree. We have very different differing views on him, but I love Jeremiah Robinson Earl really kind of glue guy forward. Um, I know Raphael is going to have some choice words for me. And then if you want the upside part, Josh Christopher from Arizona State, I have no idea how he's still here. Three-level scoring upside with some defense of upside. You know, really unique talents. Greg Brown hasn't been drafted yet. And he's someone that I see um, first round. Dayron Sharp. Um, yeah, Josh Christopher. Uh, Roko Prakachin. So I think there's some some names that we could. Throw Why don't you like Richard's guy? Um, I just <laughs> he's I think I mean he's a Villanova guy, so you know he's gonna be solid. But I think you can get him. You may be able to get him as a two-way player. He, I don't I don't I definitely don't see him as a guy that's gonna be a first-round pick. But he's gonna be solid. I think he has a a role in the NBA. But I'm not gonna spend a first-round pick on him. I'm uh, drafting anyone out of Villanova or anyone out of Marquette. <laughs> like why Marquette? Because like 
they all play. Jay Crowder, Wesley Matthews. Oh, you said you would. You yeah, would, yeah, like if I, okay. like I'm dra- if I if I got a chance, I'm drafting. I'm drafting anybody out of Villanova, Xavier Tillman, Sadiq Bay. Like you run through it, all those guys can play, right? They've all played very, very well. And yeah. I'm drafting anybody out of Marquette. Both those now Marquette's coaching staff has changed. Jay Wright probably deserves the credit Villanova, so I got to see if my Marquette thing still holds over the years. Buzz Williams was there for the longest time, but those are the guys like late in the draft. Now it didn't work. There was a guy a few years ago, Blue, out of Marquette that I thought would be able to hang on. He floated Man. around the G League for a long time and never made it. So my theory is not holding very well on Marquette. Villanova though has an unbelievable run of success right now with players. Yeah, and I just think with so many teams that have multiple picks in the second round, you can get Robinson Earl for for a little cheaper. All right, Suns are on the board. Let's see what they do. Here's Brandon Clean, exhausted from the NBA Finals now making a pick in the 29th pick of the NBA Ultimate Mock Draft. Brendan Clean here with the Locked on Suns podcast and with the 29th pick in the NBA Ultimate Mock Draft, the Phoenix Suns select Nishan Highland, Bones Highland from VCU, the sophomore, and a welcome addition to the Suns rotation. They had to spend veteran picks on uh, shooters on backcourt pieces to back up Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and Cameron Payne during this season. You could easily see Highland Fitting into that, he upped not only his three-point efficiency and volume, but also his two-point. He only shot 43% as a freshman from two, came back to school for VCU this past season, upped that past 50%, answering a lot of questions. He can finish with either hand. He has a floater package in addition to the main event of that pull-up shooting, that spot-up shooting, just a, a devastating shooter. Took almost eight a game, had the green light, and really made his coaches happy for giving it to him. Defense gonna be a question. Frame is going to be a question. But the good thing is the Suns don't need a player to come in and play right away. The NBA Finals, uh, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Cameron Payne, those guys are rotation pieces. You don't need much behind them right away. You want to have pieces who you can trust to grow, develop behind those players. Chris Paul is a, a guy you can learn from. Devin Booker, a guy you can learn from. I think the stage is set to bring in a player like Highland who can learn the NBA game, get bigger, and add this shooting that the Suns covet so badly as he matures as a player. Raphael, this was the guy you said you might have taken at 28. Tell us a little bit about Bones Highland. Best name in the draft, Bones. So you can already visualize what he looks like without seeing him. Good score. I think that he has a little bit of Lou Will in his game, was a, a pretty efficient shooter, can create his own shot. And I see him as a, an energy guy that comes off the bench that, you know, lights it up and, and is able to give you buckets. So I like him. And he had a very good Chicago pre-draft. And I think they I think he played one game and then his agent saw that he must have had a guarantee. So they pulled him out. So I like that picture. All right. We, we've had too many Lou Will comps. Like, who's the next version of Lou Will? Like, I'm, I'm about to go Andre Miller on Lou Will here. Like, if you're not Lou Will on our comps, who are you? Like, a That's poor a man's one. Lou Will doesn't play in the league. He's a gunner that goes home. That that's a good one. Lou Will's been play like I mean, <laughs> it's gotta be like year sixteen for Right, him like there's been like Jamal that. Crawford and there's been Lou Will. They're basically like Hall of Fame six men. So who like if we keep comping guys to like undersized point guard that doesn't pass, shoots all the time, scores, like does that guy act like do these guys make it? I think there's I think there's some that will. I mean, because there's exceptions to every rule, right? Like there'll be just naturally some guys that probably pass because of intangibles, I would think, right? Yeah, I mean, I think Bones is probably the more accurate. I think, like, when I mentioned Lou Will with Cameron Thomas, I mentioned as just a guy that's going to come off the bench and provide buckets. I think Bones is more so of that combo guard that you can put in pick and rolls. Cam, if you put him in a pick and roll, it, it, it's jumper. So I, I like Highland there. The Utah Jazz GM, who happens to be me, has two offers on the table. Brooklyn's 44th, Brooklyn's 49th, and Brooklyn's 59th. Toronto's 46th and 47th in exchange for their 30th pick. Would you take either of those deals if you are the Utah Jazz? I would touch Toronto's. No. All right, Raphael. <laughs> Raphael, why not? I think you can get a, a player that can come in and contribute. I think you can find possibly a, a, a guy that can be your backup point guard uh, or, or another point guard, like someone like Rokos Yokobitis from... Zalgiris, I think that, I mean, Jason Preston is another guy that I think you can take that could possibly come in and, and earn some minutes. And then I figure with the picks that you picked up, those are going to be draft and stash guys. You're not going to use them anyway. You're a luxury tax team who may not want that guaranteed contract, would rather have that be a veteran. 
those draft picks absolutely are draft and stash or are picks that you trade for cash or you trade for future second round draft picks in the upcoming years? Or well, you, you, you owner that's like young and he's a billionaire, so he's got the money. All right. Richard, which would you do either of those two deals? I mean, I like the Toronto one if you have to move. I, I kind of agree, though, if you can stay there, like, why not? Maybe Oklahoma City comes up and offers 34 and 36. I don't know if that was really ever discussed, but I think uh, 46 and 47 is probably the next best deal. You're probably want something in the 30s if you're moving back out of the first round. The Jazz GM has clearly failed because both our experts have said no, and he made the pick with Brooklyn, not with Toronto, and has traded the 30th pick of the NBA draft with the Brooklyn Nets for 44, 49, and 58 with the intention of drafting one, maybe two players, but likely trading those picks for future seconds or future picks as well. Will has been criticized badly now by both Raphael Barlow and Richard Stamen, and we see what the Brooklyn Nets now on the board with the 30th pick of the draft due to wrap this pick up. Adam Armbrick with the Locked On Nets podcast. And with the 30th and final pick of the first round in the ultimate mock draft, the Brooklyn Nets move up the board, packaging 44, 49, and 59 from the second round to come up and select Isaiah Jackson, power forward out of Kentucky. Now go back to last year's draft when coming into the season, the Nets were going to anticipate having Not only veteran DeAndre Jordan and rising star Jared Allen, but also developing young big man Nicholas Claxton. However, through the hardened trade, the Brooklyn Nets ended up ultimately sending Jared Allen to the Cleveland Cavaliers. DeAndre Jordan's role diminished over the course of the season, and while Nicholas Claxton did develop, the acquisition through buyout market and ultimate retirement of LaMarcus Aldridge made it clear that the Brooklyn Nets still need more size and more length at the five position. Conventional wisdom would say, find that typical paint-protecting big. But when you think about the lead-footed nature of DeAndre Jordan inside of this offense, it's clear that the Brooklyn Nets are not going conventional. Isaiah Jackson is a natural athlete and probably has not even fully recognized all of his potential. With a 6'11 standing height and 9'5 inch reach, he's an incredible athlete, rim protector and rebounder on the defensive end with the agility and footwork to range over on switches and coverage. Offensively, he's going to be a floor spacer, a respectable passer, and certainly someone who can run the court and throw down the lob. At just 206 pounds, he certainly needs to build out his frame and is regarded as more as a developmental prospect. But again, inside of a draft class where he could be regarded as high as the mid-teens to 20s, the Nets felt it was worth taking a look at a short-term development and long-term prospect for the Brooklyn Nets roster. Hey, Chris Gordy here of Locked on SEC. When you talk high NBA draft picks, typically we're talking Kentucky Wildcats but not so much this year. However, big man Isaiah Jackson from the Wildcats could garner a mid to late first round selection. He's six foot 10, 205, only 19 years old, still has more growing to do, can add more to his size. He averaged eight and a half points and four and a half rebounds last year for Kentucky. Very athletic and agile big, very good defensively, a ridiculous seven foot five inch wingspan. The problem is like a lot of bigs out of Kentucky in recent years could be viewed as simply a project and our team's willing to wait on his development. His NBA comp is another Kentucky big man who's turned out to have a nice career in Nerland's Noel, but overall it may take some time for Isaiah Jackson to have a big impact at the next level. Hi, this is Jimmy Patzos, NBA Insider with Odyssey. The draft recap for me is simple. Cade Cunningham, Detroit Pistons, superb pick. Future all-star, does it all can shoot it, pass it, great size, defend, play the point, cover a foreman if he has to. He just can do it all, and he's a transcendent player that predicts to be a future all-star. Jalen Suggs to the Raptors. We talked earlier what a great fit he is. He's a winner. He's proven. He earned his stripes at Gonzaga, leading them to the national championship game, and he can fit in with Van Fleet and Siakam, and he puts the Raptors right back into playoff contention. I do love the Pelicans trade. They picked up Buddy healed who can shoot it he was kind of hidden in sacramento but he's a great player great scorer veteran and kispert kispert's a four-year college player who can help the pelicans with his maturity fit in with of course ingram and as we know zion williamson wants to get to the playoffs i think buddy healed and Corey kispert help him get there 
I could say Jalen Johnson would be the steal of the draft. That will be play out itself for the Hawks at number 20 just because he's so talented. And I really love what the Nets did at number 27 because they got themselves an in inside player. Overall, I think it's going to be a really, really interesting draft class to see mature, evaluate who can get who to the playoffs, whether the Knicks picked the right guy and Josh Gidey from Australia. We'll see how our foreign guys can do. But the Nets, they have the big three. They got Spencer Dinwiddie coming back. And when you see Usman, you're going to know right away that he can play. He's from Real Madrid in the Spain League. And he has a lot of Draymond Green in that he's an undersized center that can help right away. And he's not going to try to do too much, but he fits in and can really pass the ball. He'll defend. He works hard as a 5-4 man, even though he's undersized. And the Nets look to try to get to the NBA Finals and claim their championship. And I think at number 27, they really helped themselves. What a great draft. Thanks for having me. Been fantastic. And going to be an unbelievable season to watch next year as the older veteran teams try to do what they got to do to catch these young bucks like the Phoenix Suns and the Memphis Grizzlies and, of course, the Atlanta Hawks and the new guys, the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis, as they ascend and say, we're part of the new regime. And if you want to catch us, we got fresh legs and we do a lot of different stuff. And the older teams added a lot of good players themselves in this draft. It's going to be fantastic to watch to see how it plays out. This is Sam Ferris here, as always, joined by my co-host Cody. We are the Draft Dummies, some of your resident NBA draft experts. Okay, Cody, that's the end of the first round. Pretty interesting here. My initial thoughts uh, to give kind of a recap on the first round. The top four went chalk according to our expectations. I'd say even Kaminga at five and Barnes at six, you know, that's pretty much what we expected going in. From there, it got pretty interesting. So maybe give me one of, you know, in your opinion, one of the more surprising selections of the first round. Well, I love the pick of Moses Moody at number eight for the Orlando Magic. We'll see if he goes that high on actual draft night. But Sam and I are big fans of Moody. When you talk about a guy that's 6'6", over 7-foot wingspan, and can shoot the lights out of the ball, he's flashed the ability to put the ball on the deck. Great footwork. He's going to be able to create for himself, I think so, in the few years. And is a menace defensively with that wingspan. He's not the greatest athlete. He is not your, your Jalen Green two guard. But he's quick enough, and he is very, very sound basketball IQ-wise. So I love the pick at eight there for the Magic. Uh, also love Sharif Cooper. Um, I think him going 13 in the lottery it's great a team is going to get a playmaker um, that is just preternatural in his ability uh, unbelievable with the ball in his hand so those are two of my favorite picks of this draft yeah just real quick i'll give you two winners from me in the first round obviously the rockets getting green at number two is great but i love what they did at 23 and 24 going with trey murphy uh, kind of a more of a sure thing, 3 and D wing, but then rolling the dais on a real high upside guy in JT Thor. Uh, so I like that group of picks. And then I also love what the Nets did, trading into the 30 spot and getting Isaiah Jackson. To me, I, a guy that I graded as the 12th best prospect in this class, plus Garuba. I think those guys can come in and play year one, but also have a lot of upside as we look five, 10 years down the road. So a lot of fun looking at that first round uh, and excited to see what comes next. Let's toss it back to Chad Ford with David Locke. Well, before we wrap up the entire day with Chad Ford, I, I got to find out everyone's killing the Jazz GM for his trade with the Nets for the 30th pick, getting three second round picks, being a luxury tax, little flex. Any, any help for the Jazz GM? Uh, I, I don't think Justin Zanuck's going to be promoting you anytime soon. Uh, that you know, I, I think that I think that there's enough value here for the Jazz to go ahead and hold on to this pick. And you're talking about a guy that you know maybe you don't even think about playing right now for them. That the, I think that if you're looking for help on a team like the Jazz right now, you're probably not finding it with a 30th pick. But I think that there's been strategies, and the Spurs have done this for years, of taking a young guy, letting him develop for a few years, and let him naturally come back in. And, and there's players like that left on the board here that I think could be interesting long-term, athletic, multi-positional wings for the Jazz. And so, yeah, I would have kept the pick. 
All right. Well, the Jazz GM better have a job or two on his, because he doesn't seem to be being very well regarded. All right. So we've established that the Jazz GM of the Locked On Podcast Network needs to be replaced. Um, who are the, as we look at this mock draft, what jumps out to you the way it played out and, and, and what took place today? Well, you know, I think, look, you start with there's three big winners because when you think about Detroit, when you think about Houston, you think about Cleveland, all of them get tier one draft prospects. And there's some drafts where we don't even have a tier one prospect, David, David, and there's three in this draft, which I think um, is really, really incredible. And, you know, I, I like, again, I like Houston's pick with Jalen Suggs. I probably personally would have gone with Scotty Barnes there, but I see it. Um, and, and then Oklahoma City, who slides to six uh, in the lottery, and that, you know, that was a disappointing outcome for them because I think they, they really are, have a strategy around building to get the best prospect in this draft. End up with Scotty Barnes, uh, first of all, who, if his jump shot starts falling, and that, that's a legitimate question as, an, as a big if, is to me a guy who could be the best prospect in this draft. And then at 18, they get Alpern and Sengun, a guy for many of the analytics folks in the NBA, is sitting number one on the board. They get him at 18. I think that's great value there. Oklahoma City adds two major, major upside pieces uh, to a team that already has some interesting young prospects as well. I really like the future at Oklahoma City uh, with this draft. And any losers on this draft that jump out to you and say, what were you doing? Other than the Jazz? Yeah, that guy's evidently got to be replaced. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I, I would say Corey Kispert uh, to the Pelicans at nine. I think that, you know, this idea that we have to pee Zion William, uh, Williams right now by, by bringing in guys that are going to help us win right away, I think the way that you appease Zion is by getting the best possible upside prospect and letting him see in two or three years, I've got a guy who could be an all-star. I'm playing beside me, which I don't think is going to be Corey Kispert. So I think that that is a mistake. And also just Golden State one holding on to their picks uh, at 7 and 14. I, I think that probably the best move for them is to go ahead and trade it. And if they decide ultimately that they're going to keep this pick, I think that the real realistically that even Davian Mitchell, as good as he is, is going to help in the fourth quarter for the Warriors, you know, really play I think they address that in free agency and trades, and I think they draft two young guys the same way that they did with James Wiseman uh, last year and have those guys be the start of an emerging core um, that will be there when Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green ultimately um, start to decline uh, in their health and their playing abilities. He's Chad Ford. Make sure you grab him live on draft night on the Locked On NBA YouTube channel, plus Amazon Fire and Roku apps will be available for you on the Locked On NBA Draft live show. Raphael Barlow will be by his side on the draft desk. It'll all be live. Plus, if you want more, Chad Ford's Big Board Podcast, Chad Ford's NBA Draft Big Board Podcast, and the NBA Big Board Podcast site for his Substack, Chad, thanks for all your analysis over the last five days of the ultimate 2021 NBA mock draft. Oh, I really love doing it. This is an awesome show and an awesome network. Well, guys, Isaiah Jackson was the final pick by the Brooklyn Nets for the 30th pick. Quick rundown on him, and then let's recap our draft of what we've seen here. Well, in my opinion, Isaiah Jackson is better than Azabuki, who the Jazz selected last year. So... Uh, I think that is a mistake just off that because Isaiah Jackson is a guy that I thought was going to be a late lottery pick. So I think it's a a win for the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, I mean, to echo what Rafael said, it's a lot better. You get the higher upside center. Sorry, David, to, to be doing this to you, but uh, I really do like the pick. It seems Brooklyn is trying to address their defensive woes that I think did eventually cost them doesn't feel like that's talked about enough in the playoffs. Obviously, there were other issues that were more pressing, such as health, but defense was a major issue for Brooklyn all year, and they just got two really high defensive upside defenders at as rim protectors. So I like what they did in the first round. The yeah, and even for Utah, who better for Isaiah Jackson to learn from than Rudy Gobert? Isaiah Jackson is going to make a mark in the league as a defensive shot blocker. So sorry to, to, to kind of to bang on you there, David, but uh, <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets won this all because of money. This is all because of finances. Jazz bypassed the pick. The draft is done. 
All right, from our mock draft, who are your winners? Who are your losers on the five-day extravaganza? Raphael and Richard Ku comes out and is a marketably better team after the ultimate mock 2021 mock draft. I mean, I think you can start at the top with the Detroit Pistons. I think they got a, a guy that I think is going to be a you know consensus, or he's going to be a, a multi-time All-Star. I thought Brooklyn made some really good moves at the back end of the draft. They addressed size on the front line and defense. So, um, and then also the Memphis Grizzlies. I think they got a steal with James Booknight. And yeah. you're being nice. Anyone you don't like? I'm going back with Charlotte. I'm just not a big fan of the Zaire Williams pick at number 11. If they wanted him, like Richard said earlier, they could have traded back and got him in the in the teams. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't a big fan of the Charlotte draft either. And I also got to say the Clippers choosing Dosunmu with Jaden Springer there is a head scratcher for me. I, I really thought they could have gone for a higher ceiling guy, a more realistic ceiling guy. And then one other that was, a, I, I know you said Detroit won the draft by getting Cade. One thing I would have liked to see from them is trading into the draft. I think they could have benefited from multiple uh, first round picks. That wraps us up. That is the ultimate mock draft. Thanks to so many people. Chad Ford, the draft dummies from the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. You can catch both Richard and Raphael on the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. Rich Chad Ford is on the Chad Ford's Big Board. Thanks to Odyssey experts Brian Scalabrini, Jimmy Pedos, and Ryan McDonough. To our local experts, the Locked On Podcast Network making the picks. And our Odyssey local sports talk show hosts with their breakdowns as well. It's been a massive five-day production. Nothing else equals it. Subscribe to this feed. You'll get the previews that equal this of college football and NFL and the NBA coming up in the upcoming months. Thanks very much to Odyssey for all their help. Thanks to Nick Angstead, who's produced this entire broadcast. This is David Locke saying this has been the ultimate mock draft and Odyssey locked on production. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.